turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back, America. Chew Hewitt. As everyone knows, I begin my show prep each night before the show by reading the Times of Israel because they're furthest ahead of us. And I read today, Israel's ambassador in New Zealand casts the first vote of the election. So the Israeli elections are underway. And now's the time to bring in Dr. Michael Oren, former Israeli ambassador to the United States, former deputy minister in the government, now a remarkable author and expert on all things, everything. Michael, good morning. Thank you for spending extra time with us today. I really want the American audience to understand what is going on, but that actually begins with the rules. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm fine, you. Good to be with you as always. Um, good that they're voting in New Zealand, but uh, nobody here seems to much know that their election's going on. Very, very low-key. Well, uh, we have some good news. That IDF declared we are the first military in the world with herd immunity. However, Benjamin Netanyahu had to cancel his trip to the United Arab Emirates because his wife is ill, and there's a dispute over Jordanian access to the Temple Mount. All that is in the background. Tell us when Israel votes, and if you can, a primer, because we're going to post this in a podcast as well. A primer on how Israel votes and the makeup of the parties in the Channel 12 poll. Whoa. Okay. I know, it's a lot. It's a lot. All right, so we're going to, we're going to the polls in about, uh, listen, far less than two weeks now. And um, you, it, it, it's low tech. You go, you, you go into a booth, you, you, you pick out a slip of paper that has the party you want to vote for. You put it in an envelope, you take the envelope out of the booth, and you put it in a box. Which is, it turns out, you know, in the world of, uh, of hacking computers, uh, it, it's a pretty good way to vote. And there are more countries in the world, democratic countries, that are thinking about going back to our system rather than to going to a, a more computerized system. Do you have to uh, show ID, Ambassador Oren? Do you have to prove that you're Michael Oren when you vote? Of course. Of course. You come in. Well, that's not true ID. in the United States. You know, you can just show up and say, I'm Hugh Hewitt. And if my name's on the rolls, they let you in. That's amazing. That's true. But it's I, I true. Know that. <laughs> oh, in California. <laughs> How do you do that? Do you know that in California, where I lived for five years, I've, I've been gone for five years, we still get two ballots sent for the Fetching Mrs. Hewitt and I to our old address. Every single election, we get two ballots. That's uh, very curious indeed. Very curious. Now, here you stand in line, you go, you show your ID, they check you off on your day. You go to a certain polling station. Um, there's no mail-ins. Uh, there's, there are provisions for diplomats serving abroad and for military missions, but that's about it. Uh, no absentee ballots other than that. And there was concern because of because of Corona whether we'd actually be able to go to a ballot box this year. Um, that concern has now been removed because uh, we are approaching herd immunity as a, as a society, not just in the army. So we're we're walking up to what is, and again, you're going to have to explain. I'm I'm going to post this as a separate. Uh, this is the fourth time Israel has voted in two years. I'm unaware of a precedent in a democratic country for this. Indeed, and it's not—it's not a—it's not, uh, not a record we're proud of. To tell you the truth, I tell you, we, we, we surpassed the Italians some time ago. Um, they used to, it, it doesn't, I think, uh, generate a tremendous amount of respect for the Israeli political system among Israelis themselves. As I said before, people are tired. People have election fatigue here. 
Uh, there are almost no electric posters around, no uh, commercials. The commercials are always a source of entertainment. All of our, com- our political commercials are reserved to are confined to one hour of TV on public television uh, each night. And usually nobody watches them, but this year there's not even any, there's not even any advertisements on TV. Now, I remember um, when BB did the camper video. I love that with the two people that were lost in the wilderness and they ran into BB with a backpack. Nothing like that this time. No memorable ads. Nothing. And, and, and the greatest, the greatest political cartoon of all time, we had advertised all time, was like a thirty cent spot that had BB as the babysitter. It was called the BB sitter, <laughs> where uh, a couple's going out for dinner and he's at the door. And they said, we didn't ask for you. I said, well, I'll go get your Lapid. I'll go get this guy. And the couple goes, no, 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 you come in. And then you cut to the end, and the parents are coming in, and BBC eating popcorn uh, and watching TV. And the parents say, how are our kids? And BB says, your kids are safe. And that's it. That's the babysitter, which pretty much sums up 20 years of Israeli politics, uh, which uh, prime minister is going to keep us, our kids, safest at night. That's it. That's all about Israeli politics you have to know. Well, well, in that uh, background, the, the threat is growing. Iran is using super-duper centrifuges now. They've clearly broken out of uranium enrichment. They're clearly now abetted by the Biden administration, or think they will be. But security is not an issue? Security is less of an issue right now. We haven't had, you know, terrorism in a long time. Uh, the big issues today are, you know, handling the corona crisis, whether it was well-handled or not well-handled. Uh Making you know, leading the the economy to uh, a recovery, um, and just BB fatigue as well. Um, there's a man who holds the records now by far as Israel's longest-serving uh, prime minister. Yes, he is facing three uh, corruption charges in court, and he'll have to appear in court eventually um, every week. Um, and really, there's a coalition. It's not even between right and left anymore. It's between anti-BB, pro-BB. With the anti-BB camp divided between people on the right, people on the extreme left, and the big issue is whether they will get collectively enough votes and whether they'll be able to stick together in one government, even though they will not have ideological conformity in any way, will they be able to sit in that government long enough to take down BB Netanyahu? Nobody's done it so far. You ask me, they're not going to do it this time either. Well, the interesting part about Israeli politics, it took me a, a while to grasp, is if you can't unseat the sitting prime minister, the sitting prime minister continues to sit. So they, the, the real deal is the anti-BB coalition has to get to 61 votes, right? Yep, they do. And to do that, will they need the, quote, Arab list, the joint list? Can you explain what that is? and how it figures in, in Israeli politics. There are 120 seats in the Knesset. You need 61 to govern. You can form a government. you got to get to 61. Can the left and the anti-BBites get to 61 without the Arab joint list? Well, the, theoretically, you could get less. You could get 58. But if the Arab joint list supports the 58 from outside of the government and votes with that bloc, then you'll get well past 61. Because in the previous round, the, the Arab list was the third largest party in Knesset uh, with 14 seats. Now, it, it's gone down, and it's also been divided between a faction which is uh, actually in favor of sitting with Netanyahu. It's a faction that is actually more Islamic in its outlook. Uh, and the nationalists uh, are against Netanyahu. But in either case, there was a poll published last night that says that Jewish Israelis are overwhelmingly opposed to any government that cooperates with the Arab list because it is a a singularly profoundly anti-Zionist list. And in the case of the nationalists, these are people who have supported terror again and again and again. 
uh, as a member of Knesset, I supported evicting some of them, uh, uh, using the U.S. Constitution as my model, the, the eviction clause, so the expulsion clause. So um, it, it is very, very controversial, but that's the, that's the reality. Um, and whether it's going to be Netanyahu or the opposition to Netanyahu, at some point, the Arab list are going to figure in the equation. All right. Now, uh, for the benefit of newbies, can you start on the left and move to the right of the parties minus their BB uh, inclination pro or con? Just if they were generally left wing socialist over the way to right wing separationist and ultra orthodox, how do they roll? Okay, so <laughs> take a deep breath. We'll start with Merritt on the left. Merritt is not a, a Zionist party. It is a, not an anti-Zionist party. The head of that party, uh, Horowitz, recently came out uh, in support of the ICC investigation of Israel for war crimes. Oh, that's pretty far on the left. <laughs> it's not certain they'll actually make it into Knesset. You have, to get, you have to get a certain percentage of the votes, the minimum percentage of the votes in order to get into Knesset. It's not certain that they're going to pass that uh, that bar. Um, a little bit more center way, but still quite on the left, is the Labor Party, which has um, has fallen on very, very hard times. It was the party that created the State of Israel, which ruled the State of Israel from 1948 to 1977, when um, Menachem Begit defeated uh, Yitzhak Rabin. That party now has had a bit of a revival under Merav Mikhaeli, uh, a woman, a, a radical feminist, uh, a friend, um, and they're expected to get about seven seats, which is uh, something of a revival uh, from Labor, because in previous rounds, Labor just barely made it into the net. Um, moving toward uh, the center, the Yesha Tid Party. There is a future party of Yair Lapid. It, it fashions itself as a center-center-right party. Uh, parts of that party are center-center-left, and it's doing quite well. Is he the mayor of Tel Aviv? Yeah, he didn't, uh, he didn't make it in. Okay. Ron okay. was, 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 was going to be the sort of the hope of, of the left, and he, he fizzled out very, very fast. He didn't even get on a list for or labor, or he didn't get on anybody's list? Huh, okay. He was going to take over labor. He had his own party. It was going to unite with labor. It didn't quite work out. He, was not a, he didn't succeed as a national politician. He's a, he's a good mayor. Um, moving now, so Yair Lapid has been in Knesset, established his party back in 2013. He succeeded in keeping this party in Knesset, which is no small uh, feat, and, um, and many people. Many people, including very good friends of mine, are, are supportive of him. They see him as a, as a politician who has grown. He was a TV uh, interviewer, and he's grown into something of a national figure, a bit of a statesman, good politician, uh, a very formidable uh, opposition to to to, uh, to Netanyahu, and a very comfortable opponent for Netanyahu. Because how Netanyahu old is he, and how does he have a good defense profile towards Iran? Oh yes, there's nobody here, with the exception of you know. Parts of the left and the radical left who support the JCPOA. Um, okay. There are several members of Knesset, two members of Knesset from the left who support the JCPOA, uh, but they are, you know, small, small time compared to. There was a group of 20 uh, former high-ranking officers uh, and Mossad officials who came out in support of the JCPOA. The next day, another group uh, came out against the JCPOA. 1,800 uh, former high-ranking officers. So that gives you a sense of the proportion of of Israelis who support it and those Israelis who are against it. Um, but I was saying that Yerlapid is a very comfortable opponent to Netanyahu because he's not from the right. So he can attack, uh, he can attack Yerlapid as a leftist. He cannot do that with the next party, 
which is Yamina, the rightward party um, of Naftali Bennett, which is a right-wing party with some very right-wing people in it. Naftali Bennett, um, the son of uh, Americans and Canadians, speaks English, uh, has been in the Israeli political scene now for many years. And he's viewed as the sort of the the swing vote, that no government can come into being without Naftali Bennett's Yamina party. So he has, even though he's only expected to get between 11, 12, at most 14 seats, he could actually end up being prime minister in the rotational situation because he, he, is the, he is the only person, the only party that is willing to sit both with Netanyahu and against Netanyahu. Get that one. Moving further, now to the right, uh, is uh, the New Hope Party of Gidon Saar, and um, a right-wing party, but he, Gidon Saar um, is a, a, a formidable enemy and opponent of, of Netanyahu, and he has said he will never sit with Netanyahu. So uh, in a way that well, didn't Benny Gantz say that too? Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I'm curious. By the way, so New Hope Sar, uh, they are right wing. They are pro IDF. Everybody is that we're into now, but they're anti BB, right? Anti BB. Okay. Uh, Next, Benny Gantz's party, Blue and White, is still running. It is uh, center, maybe center right. Um, it may not pass the uh, the bar to get into Knesset. Um, and then there, there is the, uh, that Lieberman, I think the Lieberman's party. And, uh, it's a largely Russian uh, party. Israel is our home party. It is right wing and anti Orthodox, Orthodox Jewish. There's against the Haredim, the ultra Orthodox Jews, um, and won't sit with them in the same, uh, coalition. Um, I think the Lieberman has always chosen an, an enemy. In the past, he was against the Arabs. Now he's against the ultra Orthodox. But it gives them a lot of power because there's a tremendous amount of resentment against the um, ultra-Orthodox here for their flouting of government restrictions on the corona crisis. Now, Avador Lieberman um, actually precip- uh, precipitated this entire two-year cycle, right? He was expected to sit with Netanyahu in the first of the four elections on which we are on the fourth, and he refused to at the last minute. Am I right in recollecting that, uh, Michael? Yes, you are, and you know there were other factors that contributed, but he was certainly essential. And it's interesting that both Victor Lieberman, uh, Gideon Saar, uh, Naftali Bennett, these are these are all people who worked for Netanyahu, and now they're committed to taking him down, um, at least in word, if not in deed. And um, it says a lot about uh, Netanyahu's interpersonal relationships, certainly, um, and uh, but also his uh, his formidable ability to keep on coming back. It's always premature to eulogize him politically. And after that, we come to Likud, right? And then there's Likud. Then there's Likud, there's Netanyahu's own party, uh, which is polling about 27 seats, still the largest party in Knesset. Netanyahu is still viewed by the majority of Israelis as the individual most qualified to be prime minister. Even Israelis who don't like him understand he's most qualified to be prime minister. And um, and the, the question is whether, again, whether the Likud and the Netanyahu can pull together the 61 or whether these other parties who are against Netanyahu can pull together the 61, in either case, with the support of at least one Arab faction from outside. Now, to the right of Likud, and some people say Bennett's party is to the right of Likud, but let's ignore that. They're interchangeable in, in an American's point of view, a secular American's point of view. Now we come into the religious parties, correct? All right, so we're not done yet. So then there are religious parties who are national religious, who believe in the state of Israel. That would be also Yamina. And there, there are two parties there, um, one of uh, Betzalel Shmutrich, uh, a young uh, settlement leader, um, very formidable individual, very smart, very dynamic. And then there's Otsmai, Jewish power, 
which is a descendant from America Hanna's uh, racist fascist party, uh, which had been kicked out of Knesset uh, originally by a high court order because of this, is now back in a different iteration and is openly allied with the pro-Netanyahu faction, uh, which is highly, highly controversial for this country. Has it evolved away from its fascist roots in Kahaniism? Mm, it, it, it's debatable. Um, for example, they are uh, they, they venerate uh, um, who conducted who, who perpetrated a massacre against Palestinians in the in the tomb of the patriarchs in Hebron oh. and um, Goldberg and uh, you know they're, they're it's highly what can I say it, are there any potential allies of are there any allies of Netanyahu who will not sit in a government with them no okay so that as a as a political matter. It's possibly a piece of the Netanyahu puzzle. Yes, not possibly, probably. All right. Okay, then, then you come to the ultra-Orthodox parties, which are the Ashkenazi, the European, Eastern European uh, ultra-Orthodox parties, the Mizrahi Sephardi parties, um, uh, whereas uh, the, uh, the Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox parties have already said they're going to be on the side uh, of Netanyahu, as have the, the Mizrahi parties. Uh, under Ariel Derry, who's a longtime uh, ally of Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, also, there are parties like the Lebanese Party, but also uh, Yerba Peace Party, so they, they simply won't sit in the government with these ultra-Orthodox parties. So that becomes an issue as well. Time for a pause now in this edition of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. I want to remind you that our sponsor is andrewandtodd.com. There with Sierra Pacific, they lend you money to refinance your house or buy a home or help your son or daughter become investors in real estate by becoming a non-occupying co-borrower. They help senior citizens with reverse mortgage. They help veterans with no money down mortgages. They help you refinance. So if you need to get money out of your house or you need a whole new house, go to andrewandtodd.com or call them at 888-888-1172. Now back to this edition of Hugh Hewitt and the interview. So, so when we when we break this down, ideologically, as you've said many times, Israel has moved steadily right in its maturation as a state beginning in 1948. It is now a conservative society, and it supports generally center right and right and religious parties. And that trend is continuing, right? They get a larger share of the vote every time. Yes, they do, and we have the, the largest youth population in the world, and unlike youth populations elsewhere in the world, in Europe, and the United States. Our youth is right wing. Our youth is right because they've been they've lived through the Intifada, they've lived through terrorist attacks. Uh, they don't believe that if you give the, the Palestinians a piece of territory, they're going to make peace with us. So that's basically people are skeptical. Young people oh. are skeptical, and I think legitimately skeptical. I've got to ask: At what point does a movement arise? Oh, just let Netanyahu do it. Someday he'll die. Yeah. It, when when does that become <laughs> the? I. I going to happen, and, uh, and it's very robust and very healthy. So he's really, he, he might go another 10 years unless he's dislodged. Oh, you know, Adenauer was uh, was the leader of Germany into his 90s. <laughs> that took me a long time. But it's democratic, though. I don't want anyone to understand. It, it, no, I, I mean, it's just the Israelis trust Bibi. And is there a, um, is there a, a libertarian Israel that votes for him because he stays out of their way? Is there is there that kind of party in, in Israel? There was a libertarian party that ran two elections ago and didn't make it into Knesset. 
Okay. Now, can you explain the three and a half percent rule and why in the world that's part of the Israeli constitution? Because if you get three and a half percent of the vote, you get five seats in Knesset. If you get less than that, you get no seats in Knesset. And they're always fiddling with that number. And the last time anybody fiddled with that number was Yvette Lieberman, who raised it. And by raising it, he actually caused all the Arab parties to unite into the United Arab lips, uh, which proved to greatly augment it. You know, the anti-Zionist Arab power in Connecticut. Okay, so now if an American audience is listening, the idea of having four presidential elections in two years would be exhausting. Do you raise money? Do, do people have to go out and get dunned again and again and again from the, from the wealthy people and the m- middle class and the upper middle class or small donors? Is it an exhausting financial proposition for individuals to support election after election? Emphatically, in fact, no. Israel has very strict campaign financing rules. We are restricted to a donation of $2,600 per family, not per individual, per family. And there are no super PACs. And in fact, the Knesset, the government, provides the funds for each, each party to campaign. And whether fair or not fair, the bigger the party, the bigger the funds that gets the campaign. So there's a tremendous advantage to existing large parties over small and new parties. Um, but in fact, we have no, almost no campaign financing difficulties in this country. It's one of the few aspects of Israeli democracy I think that uh, America could benefit from. Well, that's unconstitutional here, according to Citizens United. But we'll come back to that another time. Let's let's begin to land this plane, uh, Michael Oren. We've got the fourth election in two years coming up. And in Great Britain and in other places, we get surprises sometimes. I believe there have been a few surprises in Israel over the years as well. Do you think there's a potential for a surprise, either pro or anti-Bibi at this point? You know, most of the, most of the commentators and analysts you talk to think that Bibi's going to lose. They think that the anti-Bibi groups, the factions can get together, even for a short period of time, and oust him. And once he's ousted... Then he must appear in court, not as Prime Minister Netanyahu, but as citizen Netanyahu. And he will not be able to run again once he is out. Uh, They believe they can do that. I remain skeptical. Even in the face of mounting numbers against Netanyahu, um, I still believe, particularly after he has made Israel the first country in the world to be almost completely vaccinated, uh, since he has led us to the coronavirus uh, crisis, I think there's a good chance he's going to win again. Well, do Israelis or, connect or, or at, the, at the very most, we'll go to a, we'll go to a fifth round of election. This is the thing I don't get. Um, usually Americans vote yes or no based upon how they feel economically and how they feel about the future. And Israel's had a very good run uh, in terms of building the wall, bringing security back after a plague of terrorism, uh, staring down Iran taking out Iranian targets in Syria. And the economy is, is a thing of wonder when there isn't a coronavirus shutdown. And now it's the first. How can I really genuinely am perplexed how this is even close? Close to mean against Netanyahu? Yeah, against Netanyahu. I mean, if you look at this, unless you're bored with him, the, the country works maybe better than any country on the planet. I mean, how's your poverty level? There's significant poverty. You'd be surprised. We have the third largest income gap in the world after the United States, Chile, and Mexico. Uh, many people believe the poverty level here. Uh, almost two different economies. You have the high-tech economy, 
Tel Aviv, the center. Uh, you have the periphery where many, many people are poor. So, do, you know, do the poor people get medical the care? Is, the fear is that Bibi is going to put together a government made of ultra-Orthodox and extreme rightist, even fascist and racist, which will change the fundamental character of the country and uh, make us less democratic. And that's the fear here. Um, and the fear of you know, electing a, a prime minister who has served too long, uh, fear of a prime minister who is facing these corruption tri- tri- charges. Um, there are fears, and those fears are motivating a number of, of voters, including some former BB supporters, to vote against him. Now, the last couple of questions. He always, I follow Israeli elections for years, he always pulls out something new in the end. There's always a twist. Uh, one day it's the Arabs are going to win. The other day it's Iran is a threat. The you know, other time it's funny. What's he doing? What's his strategy this time? Well, his strategy was to go to, to the UAE today, and that got canceled. He was supposed to meet with MBS, too, the, uh, the Saudi crown prince. Uh, that got canceled because of the uh, an appendix infection of, infection of his wife and also because of a, a controversy with Jordan over a, a proposed visit of King Abdullah to Temple Mount. And whether we whether Israeli forces would let his security forces, his security personnel, onto the Temple Mount, uh, it's a long story. It's another story. it's another program that explain that whole thing. Jordan's uh, Jordan's status on the Temple Mount and the controversies around it. So this chip didn't pull out. He he wanted a photo op. He wanted a photo op as the you know, sort of doing a victory lap for the Abraham Accords, uh, holding up the possibility of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and saying, "Listen, I'm the guy who did this, and I'm the guy who can do this in the in the future." None of these other people have something, even a fragment of my diplomatic and strategic experience. Uh, you want to have peace with the Arab world? I'm the guy you vote for. So that, that is a good appeal. The anti-Netanyahu appeal is we can do the same thing without Bibi. Is that it? That's it. And that, that uh, UAE and Bahrain and Sudan and Morocco made peace with Israel, not because of Bibi, but because Israel is strong. And as the United States continues to withdraw uh, from the Middle East and perhaps reconcile with Iran once again and renew the JCPOA, we're going to need Israel. Uh, Israel is, doesn't threaten us the way Turkey does, the way Russia does. Uh, Israel is not an enemy. Israel is our ally. And it has nothing to do with Bibi. It has to do with Israel itself. Well, that's where, you know, the calculation, and you've told me many, many times, Israeli voters don't much concern themselves with national security issues abroad when it comes down to it. Americans on the center right are very comfortable with Netanyahu, and even on the center left, they mostly shut up about him. If they don't like him on the far left, they hate Netanyahu. That doesn't matter at all because they just assume American military aid and financial aid and the close security relationship will continue regardless of who's prime minister. Is that a correct characterization? That's a correct characterization. There was a poll taken some years ago, I remember, that it said if Netanyahu ran uh, in the United States for president, he would easily win the nomination for the Republican Party. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's probably right. Yeah. I, I've only uh, seen him once in person. He has a kind of charisma that Donald Trump attempted to appropriate for his own style, a kind of a brawler, uh, uh, combative, ready to go to the mat for his country and for his party. And that is what's wearing thin. Is that the problem? People are tired of the fight? I think people are tired of many things around Netanyahu. You know, he, he doesn't keep his promises to, to partners in the coalition. Look, he didn't keep his promises to Benny Gantz, certainly. Uh, they see him as not uh, as not trustworthy. They see him as perhaps not uh, the question of probity here, not quite honest. Uh, problem with his, uh, with his wife, uh, who people claim has, has too much control over decision-making. Uh, a lot of claims against Netanyahu. And, and again, it's just plain old 
easy fatigue. And uh, people like changes. We see that every midterm election in the United States, don't we? Yeah. Well, now, will Sarah Netanyahu's uh, illness play at all? Do, do Are the Israelis sentimental at all? She's been your first lady for 20 years. I know. And she likes calling herself first lady because we actually, theoretically, we don't have a first lady. Um, and the prime minister is not the head of state like the American president. Prime minister is the head of government. Head of state is our president, Ruby Rivlin. Um, there may be some sympathy for her. It depends how sick she is. Um, but, again, she has her... Uh, her proponents and her adversaries and her detractors. And her detractors are, are many, but many people love her too. Last bit of technical stuff. Israel goes dark before an election. That is, there are no ads allowed. There's no polling allowed. When does that deadline kick in? When do we stop getting data? About a week before, there's a last poll, and uh, and it does go dark. Uh, I like it. Good thing in the polls. Uh, and you have, you know, we've had different polls with different outcomes. Um, my best guess, again, is that this is, it is either a slim victory for Netanyahu or we go once again to the fifth round of, uh, of elections. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, Michael Oren, thank you for that primer. Uh, who is the most likely to be prime minister if it's not Netanyahu? It would either be Yair Lapid or Naftali Bennett. And um, of those two, who is more... Uh, conscious of the threat from Iran, because America cares most about that issue. I would say Naftali Bennett. I've talked to him extensively about it. Um, but I think the other Pete is, is, is no fool, and he understands this as well. And this is not an issue of left and right. It's an issue of Israel's fundamental national security. And on that issue, will any of these three do what is necessary to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon? We have no choice. With or without United That's States cooperation? I, I get it. I get it. But with or without the United States, do, do either of those three recognize the United States having a veto over Israel acting against Iran in a strategic fashion? They cannot. And no longer than the United States had a veto of the United, over, over the creation of the State of Israel in 1948, that would try, or um, taking out the Egyptian army in 1956, or, or, or launching a preemptive strike in 1967. But Israel overrode the American veto in every single case because these were existential situations for us. We had no choice. And that will be the similar situation with Iran. You think we're getting close to that, Michael Oren? Well, it depends on how Iran acts. It depends how the United States acts. Right now we see Iran escalating and America de-escalating. Uh, if the United States uh, begins to step up against Iran escalation, uh, we may be in a different situation. I hope we will be. Dr. Michael Oren, always a pleasure. Find his website at drmichaeloren.com. He's the guy to go to for, I think, very objective analysis of this. Although he might be back in the government, then we'll have to warn you about that. Michael, thank you for this long, extended My conversation. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Be well. Be well. Take care.